Fusion, the international science radio show. We have a bouncer and the doors of perception. The good, the bad, the ugly. It gets pretty exciting. The myths, the truths. Toxicology. Astro seismology. Magnetism. The dark side. Genetically engineered potatoes. Planetoid. Planetoid. I love that word. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Diffusion. Sit back and relax while we inject weird and wonderful science directly into your brain. I'm Ian Wolfe. On this edition, we try honest placebos and read your shadow profile. But first up, here's the news. Have you ever noticed how some women presented with newborn babies, just want to eat them right up, even to the point of telling the baby that exact phrase. Research from the University of Montreal suggests that newborn babies are exuding a smell that activates the reward pathways in women's brains, causing that feeling. These are the same neurological pathways activated by satisfying cravings when you're very hungry. The researchers had one group of women who'd never had children and a second group who'd given birth in the previous three to six weeks. Both groups were presented with the smells of newborn babies from other women, collected from the baby's pyjamas. Brain imaging showed greater activation in the dopaminergic system of the caudate nucleus of mothers, compared to the women who had never given birth. This system in the brain causes pleasure to be associated with particular behaviour. Dopamine is associated with sexual pleasure and other forms of gratification. Laboratory rats whose dopamine levels are stimulated by electrodes become so addicted that they stop eating. Researchers don't know if the mothers reacted because of changes caused by hormones when they gave birth or changes to their brains that happened as a result of interacting with their own babies. It's only mothers who want to tell their babies how they're so sweet that they could just eat them right up. It's lucky the babies don't understand the literal meaning of the words. Next up, Facebook Shadow Profiles. When an internet service is free but very profitable, then the only thing they can be selling is you, the user. Facebook has been caught keeping secret shadow profiles of not only its users, but even people who've deleted their Facebook accounts or have never even been a Facebook user in their lives. Facebook's secret stalker files were discovered because of a security bug. Facebook offered a service this year that lets users download a summary archive of everything they've ever uploaded or typed into Facebook. If you took up this option, you'd see in your archive your contacts. Your contacts are your Facebook friends and everybody you've ever emailed if you've allowed Facebook to find friends through your email contacts. And everybody in your phone 
if you've installed the Facebook app. None of which Facebook actually needs to know to offer you the Facebook service. What people found was that Facebook friends in their contacts, who they didn't know well enough to know their email or phone number, still showed up in their contacts with the email and phone numbers. So you could get private phone numbers and emails of Facebook people you barely knew, and they could get yours. What was happening? Facebook has been collecting all the data from all its users and creating a shadow profile of everybody. If I choose not to give Facebook my phone number, but you have my phone number in your phone, and you use the Facebook app, then Facebook now have my private number. Thanks! If a Facebook friend I've never met now downloaded his archive, he may find, due to the bug, that he now has my phone number and all my email addresses. Six million people's personal information was disclosed to people that they did not choose to share such information with. Facebook have announced that they've fixed the bug, so it's all okay. They've apologised for the bug, not for violating our right to privacy by stalking us. That's just business. Besides, your personal information isn't yours, it's your friends. And they gave Facebook permission. Sort of. Even if you explicitly withdrew consent from Facebook from using your private information, Facebook declare that your data belongs to your friends, and it would be a violation of your friends' freedom of speech for Facebook to delete that data from its records. Why? Because selling your private information is worth way more money than selling advertising. So what we now know is that for each user, Facebook has a central database where it collates everything from all its users. The Facebook app on your phone takes all the private information it can siphon out of your phone, from text messages to phone numbers. Why would Facebook need your text messages? Facebook constantly asks you to tag people in photos so its software can learn to recognise your face and add the photos to its secret profile on you. It can also read information from your face. Any information about you that other people upload to Facebook goes in your secret profile, whether it's true or not. Facebook still lets that information leak. Somebody on Facebook uploaded wrong information about me, for example, and this led to my sister asking me about a new job at a place where I've never worked. To avoid paying tax, Facebook, like Google, is officially based in Ireland, so it's now subject to European laws, at least for European users. If you're not on Facebook, and someone uploads a photo of you, or a photo that you happen to appear in, or discusses you with other Facebook users, or someone you know allows the Facebook app onto their phone, or into their email to let Facebook help them find friends on Facebook, then Facebook has a profile of your private information. This profile is then added to by whatever their software can scrape from information about you that's publicly available from the internet, or what it can infer from adding the information together. In 2011, German law student Max Schrems applied to Facebook for his personal data as he's entitled to under Europe's privacy and data collection laws. Facebook sent him a CD of data about himself, and when he printed it out, it was over 1,200 pages. 
He analysed it and came to the conclusion that Facebook is breaking Europe's data protection laws. He started the Europe versus Facebook page to document what was happening, and he made 22 formal complaints about Facebook's breach of the law to the Irish Data Protection Commissioner. Even in Australia, privacy laws require that companies tell you that they're collecting private information from you. This is why Google got in trouble for driving around, hacking into people's home computers with Wi-Fi from their Street View cars. Max noticed that even amongst the thousand-odd pages about him, there seemed to be some data missing. So he asked Facebook for the rest. They responded with a legal letter saying they didn't have to, because it was too hard, and because doing so might reveal some of their secrets. What they were hiding was his internet browsing history. Have you ever noticed that Facebook like buttons are no longer just on Facebook, but all over the web? The software associated with these like buttons leave cookie files on your browser when you visit the page, even if you never click on the like button. The cookies report back to Facebook your complete history of all the websites you visited, and that goes into your shadow profile. If you don't have a Facebook profile, the cookies still record your IP address and information about your browser that can be used to match you up to the Facebook shadow profile. So Facebook argued with Max that they couldn't release all of his private information to him because it would violate the company's intellectual property. They also pointed out that their terms of service say clearly that Facebook won't promise that your private information will be safe. Yet Facebook constantly asks you for information about yourself and people you know. If you lose your password, it's no longer good enough to send an email to the email address you opened the account with. Now they want a scan of your driver's license or passport. Your government photo ID. How easy does this make it for the spy agencies to match up all the information Facebook collects on who you know and what websites you visit with your government identification files? Facebook has also partnered with loyalty card merchants to pair what you buy at the supermarket or any of the shops with all the other data they've collected on you. The new Facebook Home app gives Facebook access to your camera, microphone, GPS and the other sensors on your phone to collect data on what you're doing around the times that you choose to spend money or look at ads. They collect information on which apps you launch and when you launch them. Soon Facebook could be tracking your gaze to see where you look. So does it matter that you don't have any privacy? Well, does your bathroom have a door? Does your bedroom have curtains? What could happen when someone who doesn't like me has access to all that information, information that might be wrong. Oakland police contact the employer of someone who is using the democratic right to protest against government surveillance policies. The police lied to his employer about the protester being in a fictional truck accident and successfully got him fired. The police matched his face from surveillance footage with a profile they happened to have that listed his employer and then sent the surveillance footage to his employer purely out of malice. Should your employer, or even your potential employer, know about your political interests, or religious interests, or other private things that have no bearing on how well you can work? Are you safe to attend a protest or write a letter without losing your job, or being embarrassed in front of your family? Can you study about crime or terrorism 
without being flagged as a terrorist? What about if you're applying for credit or insurance? Should you have to pay more because your profile says you'll be persuaded to pay more than other people? Georgetown University law professor Julie Cohen wrote that humans need privacy to develop our identity before we submit to the scrutiny of society. We need space to decide who we are. Professors Hartzog and Selinger write that privacy is essential in democracies to give us freedom from the abuse of power, space for socialization, and self-fulfillment. People act differently when they're being watched, and we all need a chance to relax and let our hair down. You can't act naturally if you always have to act. Next up, The Singularity by Paul Rhodes.
was The Singularity by Paul Rhodes. You're listening to Diffusion Science Radio. Send emails to science at diffusionradio.com. We're brought to you across Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast over the internet on www.diffusionradio.com. And now, placebos. The doctor gives you some pills and tells you they'll help you with your pain and nausea. And indeed, they go away. A few days later, he tells you they were sugar pills, a placebo. What happens next? Does the pain and nausea come back? Was he unethical to reveal the deception? Why did he have to deceive you to trigger the placebo effect? If the placebo effect is something your brain is doing, why couldn't you just do it without being lied to? The word placebo comes from the Latin, I shall please. The placebo effect happens when someone gives you a treatment and suggests to you that it may relieve your symptoms. Whatever your health problem might be. That's the minimum it takes for the placebo effect to take place. A treatment and a suggestion. Sugar pills and a suggestion have helped people cope with very unpleasant symptoms. The placebo suggestion is like a hypnotic suggestion, except that you don't have to be put into a trance for the suggestions to work. Although we've learned a list of tricks that make the suggestions more effective. Placebos can work better when the person who gives them wear a white lab coat. Pills of particular sizes and colours are associated with enhancing stimulation or tranquilizing effects. Injections can be more powerful than pills. Capsules more effective than tablets. And the words used by the health provider can make a big difference. We don't fully understand how the suggestions act in the brain to release painkilling chemicals or anti-inflammatory chemicals or act on the immune system, but we can measure that they really do. Non-trance suggestions are the main weapon in the magician's toolkit. A magician can suggest what you see, hear and feel. With the right props and stage setting, you'll be entertained with the illusion of the magician's choice. Your brain will construct the illusion for you, making it utterly convincing. Placebo suggestions seem to work in a similar way. A nocebo is when somebody suggests that an action will cause you to suffer symptoms instead of getting relief. The most well-known nocebo is the phrase, it's just a placebo. People who've been getting effective pain relief, or whose nausea has gone away, or inflammation reduced, will suddenly get worse when they hear those words uttered, even if they're not true. Rationally, if a sugar pill or whatever treatment has been working to control their pain or other symptoms successfully, then it makes no sense for it to stop working just because you now know it was a placebo effect in your brain and not a drug causing the pain relief you definitely experienced. You just had a demonstration that it worked, yet now it suddenly doesn't? So what's going on? The placebo effect is so powerful against so many medical complaints that every single treatment for any medical problem must show that its effect is stronger than the placebo effect, even against cancer and severe burns. Studies in the 1980s at the University of California, San Francisco, showed that placebos were as effective against pain as 8 milligrams of morphine. Another study around the same time showed that drugs that blocked the body's natural painkillers also block the pain relief from placebos, revealing that something physical is going on. Faith in our society has its own mythology. Many religions require faith without proof, even perhaps faith against your own senses. 
Fairy tales that we grow up with emphasize that believing something is true is necessary for the magic to happen. You just have to believe. It's a very suggestive mythology. The final nail in the coffin is the idea that magic and the placebo effect will stop working when you find out it's just a placebo and stop believing. The bubble of faith that kept you floating is popped by finding out reality, despite the fact that you really were flying. This has reached the point where very educated and intelligent people have been debating the ethics revealing to people that their life was saved from a real disease by the placebo effect enacted by sugar pills and powerful suggestions. Research has shown that it's actually completely untrue. Faith is not required. You can know that you're being given a placebo and still have it work. It only becomes true as a self-fulfilling prophecy that the placebo effect will stop working when you have faith that it will stop working against your own experience that it worked fine just a moment ago. Faith can only hurt you when you have that faith. In the Public Library of Science in 2010, a paper was published, Placebos Without Deception, a randomised controlled trial in in irritable bowel syndrome. The study used open-label placebos, where there was no deception or concealment of what was being given. Instead, patients were told that they were to be given placebo pills made of an inert substance like sugar pills that had been shown in clinical studies to produce significant improvement in irritable bowel syndrome through mind-body self-healing processes. Despite not being deceived, 60% of the 80 patients with irritable bowel syndrome reported feeling better after knowingly taking placebos twice a day, compared to 35% of patients who received no new treatment but still interacted with compassionate healthcare providers. Only 50% of patients reported adequate relief of irritable bowel syndrome symptoms when they took a frequently prescribed irritable bowel syndrome medicine. The non-deceptive open-label sugar pills were stronger than the prescription medicine when paired with an explanation of the placebo effect and a suggestion that they've worked for other people. This work builds on a study from 1965 where patients at a psychiatric clinic were asked if they'd try a sugar pill that didn't contain any medicine, but which still could help them. But which still could help them. The patients that agreed found that the pills helped reduce their symptoms. Placebos as a therapy are controversial in medicine because of the ethics of lying to people about their treatment. An open-label placebo is an honest placebo treatment, and it threatens to overturn the general abandonment of placebo therapy and scientific medicine. Pain and irritation seem to be symptoms that placebos are very effective against, and people aren't harmed by trying an open-label placebo for pain. If it doesn't work, they can always try medication. Placebos work because of a combination of expectation bias, classical conditioning, and ritual. The tools of the magician. Deception isn't necessary for the placebo effect, it's just how it's always been used. In the case of open-label placebos, the explanation of the placebo effect allows the placebo to become its own suggestion for your brain to do its trick of activating the body's healing or pain-relieving processes. The researchers had to make sure that their suggestion covered the following points. The placebo effect is powerful. The body is conditioned to respond to placebo pills like Pavlov's dog salivating where it hears a bell. A positive attitude helps, but it isn't necessary. And it is critical 
not to miss a dose of the pills to keep the ritual. The placebo effect becomes the placebo. I'm not a doctor and I can't give medical advice, but my personal experience is that I can administer my own non-deceptive placebo to myself, knowing that it often works. The more often I notice it working, the more confident I am that it will work next time, as I condition myself to respond better and enjoy more relief. I've had a lot of success with visualisations. I used to suffer from chronic headaches. I was thinking about the placebo effect and that it really should work without you being fooled, and how you should just be able to imagine spray bottles of endorphins, the brain's natural painkillers, spraying a mist onto the parts of your head where the pain is, and the ache should just dissolve. I utterly visualised this as I thought about it, and was surprised to find that the pain in my head went away. The fact that I was surprised shows that I didn't believe that it would work. I didn't have faith. Yet it worked anyway. With the confidence from being able to cope better with headaches, I found that I could use the technique with some success on pain from other sources. I don't need absolute faith that it will work, and I don't need to delude myself. Instead, I'm doing something different. I'm open to the idea that it may help, and patient enough to wait and see if it will. And that's all from us this week on Diffusion. Would you like to join us? We need more people contributing stories to Diffusion. You can send your contributions, opinions, congratulations, standing ovations, gasps of amazement, and helpful suggestions to science at diffusionradio.com. That's science at diffusionradio.com. And please do send me an email so I know you're listening and you'd like to hear more episodes. Visit our Facebook page if you dare and leave a comment. I produce Diffusion, which is broadcast around Australia on the Community Radio Network and 2 Triple H in Hornsby, Karingai. And it's syndicated on the National Science Foundation's Science360 internet radio station. Ask your local radio station to broadcast Diffusion. Subscribe to our podcast on the Diffusion website, www.diffusionradio.com. That's www.diffusionradio.com. I'm Ian Wolfe. Join us inside your audio device of choice for more science wondering next week on Diffusion Science Radio.